0: Welcome back to the 4th Way Podcast. Today is National Peace Day, and we are in the middle of our poetry series on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, I thought I would take a break from that a little bit to talk about something a little bit different while still kind of keeping the theme of working through some Poetry here. Today's poem is going to focus on the issue of abortion, which is something that we worked through two seasons ago, um, and and uh, which we covered in I think like ten or eleven episodes. I have decided to kind of use that for Peace Day here, because I think the issue that's at the heart of abortion um, it is really in is really what's at the heart of most of the issues when we deal with violence towards other people and that is that in, in order to kill people in order to justify that sort of thing what almost always happens is that there's a dehumanization that goes on and and that really happens no matter what so you can go to the the favorite example of hitler Right. Uh, when when you're killing a bunch of Jews, what had to be done first? Well you dehumanize them. I think the same thing happens in abortion. You turn turn fetuses, human fetuses, into non humans and you run into a lot of a lot of moral problems when you when you do that and we talked about, about degreed properties and all kinds of things in our abortion series. And you even see the pro-life group do that with a lot of people. You see us do that with um, intruders or criminals. You know, I have the right to kill them because um, they are—we wouldn't say this, but they're basically lesser. Like, they have lost their human right to life. And so I have the right to take their life because they've kind of forfeited that aspect of their humanness whether it's iraqis and afghanis and and going to war and um valuing those people less whether it's with the death penalty no matter what how you look at it um we we value people less when we say that that we can take their lives we have to view them as lesser and we say that we don't and and christians no i don't know any conservative christians who would say that um people lose the image of God um, when we kill them in war or capital punishment or anything like that, but logically and consistently I just I don't see that that's the case the way that my group talks about criminals and the way that we we have no mercy and we do value them less and we do see them as less human even if we know enough not to say that we do so this poem, then, is going to focus on abortion, but while it does, it's it's going to apply to my group as well, the conservative Christians. It's going to apply to us because what people do for abortion, to to dehumanize somebody uh, or a class of people, is, is what we do in order to kill people. So um, this one's pretty—there's um, a lot of stuff going on in it, and I'm not going to be able to get to it all in this episode, so I, like I'm doing with all of the Sermon on the Mount series, uh, the poem is kind of a, a catalyst to dig deeper. So go ahead and check out my notes and and read my footnotes on this if you want to get uh, pull out more than what we're going to talk about here. The poem is entitled Miss Yori's Compromise, and here we go. Dear Scott, What is this quelled inside me? I cannot really say. It's certainly not dread, Scott. That came on another day. It feels more like fuzzy warmth, a rashly rationed rationality, standing partially on reason's leg to support desire's partiality. But of desire, why condemn it so? This nature's guide to truth. For survival, reason validates these means and ends that we intuit. Yet at moments my intuitions falter as I see my fallible humanity, until I'm brought back to reason's side, guided by infallible humity. I'm reminded that man has no plan except that which does play out, each goal oneself, nothing else, even altruism, a selfish route. So what is this quelled inside me? I still can't really say. But damn it, I don't care to know. I'll say what I want anyway. And if you care not to agree, I'll take care not to care. For the winner won't win on empathy's plea, but by exerting more force than the other can bear. So what do I want for society? Or should I say, what do I want from me? I want no restraints that impede my class. I want the power to be beyond free. I want to restrict those who are far removed from me. I want to remove their ability to impede. And as the humian that I truly am, I'll strip away their humanity." If those in my way are no longer like me, then there's no person to consider. Like all obstacles that come before me, I discard them as rubbish, refuse, litter. But to throw things away seems so absurd, nothing but cavalier waste. For it's not only meat that gives utility, but also bone, sinew, hair, carapace. So what of this class that's so unlike me, those without presence, no cries, While too burdensome it is to provide their support, surely them we can still utilize. We need not mandate that others preserve these lives, if the voiceless become hindrance, in order to punish some for taking same life, though really punishing for inconvenience. We also need not apply personhood to this group, these dejected who are so like us, to subjectively choose some objective ground to define humanity so it includes us. So if I have right to take this life, then this life is mine to own, but since this my life can't speak on its own, why not give its owners their vote? I propose that we count all voiceless at hand as three-fifths woman and man, to keep them inhuman yet still useful to me as I further my narcissized plan. So what is this quilt inside me? I finally think that I can say. It's certainly not dread, Scott, but it's just as inhumane. Sincerely. Natasha Yuri All right, there is like I said a a lot going on in this and um if if I try to just kind of go down the list and explain it all, it's it's going to just be extremely tedious. So let me let me give an overhead view of of kind of the point of this and then I'll pull out kind of what I think are some of the the most important observations and then like I said you can go ahead and and read the footnotes and and see more of the details. I'm trying to to pull out here. So the title and the introduction uh, should should be giveaways. If anybody knows anything about uh, U.S. history, um, Missouri's Compromise is a silly cheesy play on words here, right? For the Missouri Compromise, and then Dear Scott right, and, and saying, hey, it's certainly not Dred Scott, right, the, the Dred Scott case, all right, kind of cheesy throw-ins there, um, but those are are some um, parts of U.S. history which are really important to understand for this, the, the Missouri Compromise, the Three-Fifths Compromise, the Dred Scott case, uh, and and just um, that impact on, on U.S. history in regard to to slavery and the, the three-fifths compromise in particular is the one that you're going to hear a, a lot about that's going to be the important reference which is essentially just saying um, th- that basically it counted slaves as three-fifths of a person now I understand that that was done um, a- as a compromise because the slave states wanted to count all of their slaves as humans so it's kind of ironic that the slaveholders wanted their slaves to count as full persons, and making them into three fifths of a person was actually the anti-slavers who were doing that in order to prevent the slave states from getting more power. So I think a lot of times it's misconstrued that um, you know we viewed slaves as three fifths of a human um, because it was actually the anti-slavers who who did that. But anyway, th- that's that's getting into uh, the weeds, and we don't need to go there. Point is. Uh, At a point in human history, slaves legally were basically viewed as three-fifths of a a human being. And the reason that was the case is because um, while slavers viewed slaves as non-human, and that's partially how they justified the institution of slavery, at the same time, they they thought that that was a waste to just throw away all these people that we have here in the south that we have enslaved you know what a waste to not be able to count them as people like we can use them not only for slave labor but we can also use them for political advantage and i have to acknowledge their humanity to get political advantage so you can see how how people were just objectified objectified first for for labor and then second for political means so this this whole poem here is essentially a play on this idea of of slavery and um and the way that we objectified people, the way that we dehumanized them and didn't count them as full human beings and I'm going to argue that this is exactly the same thing that that we're doing with abortion. We are not only um kind of objectifying human beings in the womb uh, for our convenience but we're also doing it politically and both sides are doing it uh, kind of taking advantage of uh, this issue for for politics so in the first of three slash four stanzas in the first big stanza um, I basically am just kind of talking about the grounds for morality and ultimately conclude that, um, you know, it's not really biblical morality that is is my guide here, but more of a Humean or a Hume's reality uh morality. And so the the last two lines in the stanza I'm reminded that man has no plan except that which does play out each skull oneself, nothing else, even altruism, a selfish route, is basically just just saying that Um, self-interest is kind of all of our our guides and especially in the west here free market sort of sort of place um, we kind of think uh, our thinking is that self-interest is kind of the the um, the guiding force because if everybody's looking out for themselves then that's going to somehow balance out so that we can live in a society i guess a social contract sort of society um and so even even in this type of society what's kind of depressing about that is even altruism even good things that we do become uh things that are based out of self-interest and i'm not going to help if it's not helpful to me there's a really great i think it's christopher hitchens um yeah christopher hitchens um who has this great quote he's he's in a debate with his brother Peter and Hitchens talks about people uh, dying from AIDS he's like look I'm not altruistic I I don't care about helping people with AIDS for their sake he's like what I really don't want is somebody dying from AIDS on my doorstep he's like I don't want that and he goes into this—it's it's a beautiful—like, it's terrible how, how cynical and, and depressing his honesty is. Um, but he basically goes into saying, look, back in the, the day, the Whigs and the Tories, they're like, hey, we want to give, give these nasty, dirty coal workers—we want to make sure that in each of their rooms or each of their their housing units, there's a bath— and the one group was like, why would we want to give them a bath? They're just like, they're buffoons. They don't know how to use baths and all that stuff. And the other group's like, well, we're not doing it for their sake. We're doing it for our sake. I don't want to smell them. I don't, like, they're nasty. It, it It's for societal well-being that they're clean because that's going to help with diseases and all kinds of things. Right, so um, on on this view, the... A lot of times I think atheism kind of boils down to this, where you don't have objective morality, so you basically have to do what's what's best for the group or best for um, you as an individual. And altruism then becomes non-existent, essentially, because altruism is, altruism is really just a form of self-interest. So in our first stanza here, identifying that, look, we live in a world where let's be honest there's no such thing as altruism um, when we have this morality that is all about self-interest human nature is self-interest and um, anything that we say whether it's it's uh, that we're doing this for other people or that we're doing it for ourselves or that this is in society's best interest um, no matter what we do it's going to have this bent of self-interest in the second stanza I play this out a little bit more. What does that look like? What does this world look like? Well, when when I am all about my self-interest, then other people are either assets to accomplishing that interest or they are impediments that are hindering that pursuit of that interest. Uh, so in this stanza, I talk about Objectifying others who get in my way and dismissing them, and and making legislation and such against them to 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 get them out of my way. And the way that I do that is I I strip their humanity. If I can take their humanity away, they become objects, and when they become objects, I can discard them. But then there's this realization at the end where I say, "But but you know what? And now that I've dehumanized them, now that they've become objects, it seems like such a waste to just Dispose of them, you know, because you know, like the the Native Americans, when when they would kill an animal, they didn't just kill the animal and and eat the meat. They didn't just you know take its life, Um, but they also figured out how to use its bones, its sinew, its hair, its carapace for tools and other sorts of things. So you know what? I don't want to just take the life of these these objects, these humans that I've objectified. Surely we can figure out how to use them even more. And I wrote this poem before you know, the supposed um, Planned Parenthood videos and things came out, where uh, they were supposedly selling selling bodies and and other stuff for for scientific purposes um, and making money off of it, right? Um, now, regardless of where you come down on that, and you think that Planned Parenthood has sold bodies or not um whether or not they make money off of it it is irrelevant to me the point is that okay so we're basically killing embryos and fetuses and so whether you take this as um you know through abortion or also through stem cell research and I i mean we do have embryos that we are we are growing and killing um however you want to look at it, we are not just objectifying fetuses so that mothers can abort them, but we are also utilizing them for scientific endeavors. So that's what we essentially, we are doing. We are viewing them um, as objects that are just utterly abused, not just destroyed, but then uh, used for scientific advancement. So in the in the final stanza I kind of conclude things but I I also add in this idea that um that kind of helps to show that that ultimately it it really is about our self-interest and control. Um so one of the main inconsistencies that I point out is that you know so wait a second if if I have this this thing this fetus inside of me that i can objectify out of humanity uh what if what if i want to objectify it into humanity too now if i'm a mother who is growing a fetus inside of me that i could abort because it's not human it doesn't have value um okay i've i've objectified it out of its humanity but what if i'm a mother who has a fetus inside of me and I want that fetus to come to fruition, and I want that fetus to become my child, then if somebody pushes me, hits me, shoots me in the belly, whatever, and now that fetus is killed, I, I want justice for that life. And so I objectify it into humanity because that's what I want it to be and now you can go to prison for murder if you kill my fetus even though i could kill my fetus and so through this through this kind of relativism uh in our in our laws and still apparent very apparent in our laws um we we can see that we're essentially uh objectifying humanity into and out of existence uh which is what this this poem is is really all about it's it's just showing how, look, whether it's, it's slavery or abortion, we objectify humans out of humanity when it suits us, and we objectify them into humanity when it suits us, just like the Three-Fifths Compromise. Um, as a slave owner, I'll objectify you out of humanity so I can force you to do physical labor for me uh, and help me economically but then I'll objectify you into humanity in order to give me political power. Um, and that's, that's essentially what we, we do with, our, with abortion and with our, our laws on fetuses and, and such. Uh, with our scientific studies, whatever it is that we're doing, we, we are objectifying humans. You can listen to the, uh, the season on this where I, I make the case for that. I'm not just asserting this. Um, And I I go into rebuttals and and lots of problems that you have uh, if you are going to objectify uh, fetuses out of their humanity. So that's essentially uh, this poem in a nutshell. Definitely check out the footnotes on it, and I hope you enjoyed it. And that's all for now. So peace, and because I'm a pacifist, when I say it, I mean it.